I can't remember a lot of the uh, television, all the television that I watched in the 1960s as a young kid. Uh, but one show did make a big impression on me, uh, and it was the 1960s black and white TV show called The Twilight Zone. And each Twilight Zone episode uh, was its own little short story, and uh, a lot of these stories contained a thought-provoking message. I remember one Twilight episode uh, that featured a, a character named Rocky Valentine, and he was a, a ruthless criminal. And we come in the middle of a, uh, an armed robbery that uh, Rocky is involved in, and uh, as he grabs the loot, uh, he fires off a sh two shots at uh, two police officers, wounding them, and uh, they fall to the ground. He thinks he's home free. He's got his uh, money. He's heading out the door, and then, bang, he's shot by a third policeman. And as Rocky's life fades to black, we then transition to the afterlife, where Rocky wakes up in this high-rise luxury apartment. And Rocky says, this is the pad I always dreamed of. And as uh, this luxury apartment uh, fades into uh, view, we see that, uh, that Rocky is uh, greeted by a guy who we later find out is an angel who is there to grant Rocky's every wish. And Rocky is fully aware uh, that he is uh, a murderer uh, and a crook, and he can't believe how lucky he is that he gets into heaven. And Rocky says, I'm in heaven. I can have anything I want. And so with greed, he starts listing off his desires. And sure enough, uh, this angel gets him everything that he, he wants, his favorite foods. They're brought to him on a silver platter. Uh, he asks for uh, valuable possessions, and they all appear. Rocky is a gambler. And sure enough, in this luxury apartment, there's a huge casino table just for him. And every time Rocky bets, Rocky wins. However, as time goes by, it's the same thing day after day. We see this montage of how day after day, every day, Rocky gets his favorite food. Every day, uh, Rocky bets and Rocky wins. Every day, uh, Rocky gets all the poker chips and all the money. He always wins. He never loses. He doesn't even need to try. Rocky can't lose and Rocky can't stand it. He's miserable. His pleasures are not bringing him pleasure. His life of leisure becomes a deathly bore. So Rocky asks the angel if he could just have a little bit of work. But the angel says he can have anything he wants, except he can have no work in this place. But only leisure and pleasure, without any challenge, without any meaningful work, leads Rocky from frustration to desperation and depression. And finally, after several frantic attempts to try to break out of his luxury apartment, he gets in the face of the angel and says, I got to get out of here. Heaven is driving me crazy. I hate this place. You know, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm a crook. I'm not supposed to be in heaven. I'm supposed to be in the other place. You've got to let me out of here so I can get to the other place. And that's when the camera swings away from Rocky and comes full figure into the face of the angel that suddenly contorts into this ghoulish face that says, 
Rocky, this is the other place. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> right? It's this dramatic moment. But of course, since this is uh, the 1960s black and white TV era, that means that right after a dramatic scene like this, you get a goofy commercial, like uh, Mr. Whipple the grocer uh, scolding his customers for squeezing the squeezably soft Charmin bathroom tissue, where Mr. Whipple always says, don't squeeze the Charmin. And it kind of kills the mood. It kind of kills the uh, serious atmosphere. But even as a dumb kid, I got the message. Uh, the, this episode of Rocky Valentine illustrates at least two truths from the Twilight Zone. Rocky's experience portrays the truth that, one, contrary to our twisted assumptions, the secular consumer mindset is so unsatisfying and so boring that it becomes a kind of prison. And two, the true heaven that we are created for includes involvement in greater, more meaningful activities than just trivial pleasures. Of course, much deeper than a Twilight Zone episode, Jesus taught this, these very truths much earlier and infinitely better. Today, we're going to study what Jesus taught through a story, um, a parable, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25. And if you follow along with what Jesus teaches, it will lead you somewhere totally different than where the culture leads you. If you follow Jesus, he will lead you to a heaven, both in this world and the next. But if you believe our culture, you'll end up some other place. You'll follow your selfish desires and end up with nothing that you want. You'll end up with maybe a full bank account or an armload full of possessions and a life that is empty. But if you follow Jesus, you'll find a good life that is truly good. You'll possess a purpose that possessions cannot give. You'll end up with God's approval and rewards of joy and happiness that last forever. Because in Jesus, you are destined for great things. So let's study what Jesus taught about your God-given destiny through a powerful story Jesus tells in Matthew 25, beginning at verse 14. A man going on a journey called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with little things. I will now put you in charge of great things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with little things. I will put you in charge of great things. Come and share your master's happiness. 
Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. And I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. And his master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him, give it to the one who has 10 bags, and throw this worthless servant outside into the darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's a powerful parable. And Jesus explains that there are people who fulfill their God-given destiny and then share their master's happiness. But there are also people who fail to fulfill their destiny and end up in the most bitter kind of regret. So which person are you? Are you someone who is investing your time, your energy, your abilities, your resources into God-given destiny and purpose? Or are you more like Rocky Valentine, trapped in a meaningless montage of pointless pleasure-seeking? In this parable, Jesus declares that I am destined for great things. And as I've reflected on this, I've, I've seen how Jesus' teaching can be kind of put into an ABC application uh, because Jesus' message is that I am destined for great things as I, A, accept my responsibility. The parable begins with the master giving each person a defined weight of responsibility. Five bags, two bags, one bag of gold. Maybe in your Bible it says five talents and two talents and one talent because talent was a ancient weight of uh, a measure of weight, just like an ounce or a a pound. The master gives each a weight of responsibility. It is not the same for everyone. We're all given different weights of responsibility, but we all have the same personal responsibility to use what we have been given with the master in mind. God gives me unique gifts and abilities and experiences and knowledge and relationships and financial resources. And today is a holy moment. Right now is a holy moment where I am given an opportunity to ask Jesus how I'm doing with my responsibility, with the weight of responsibility he has personally given to me. This is a good time to ask myself, ask Jesus, how am I doing with my responsibility? And when I do, I hear Jesus examining three key responsibilities in my life, beginning with my resources. I was with a, uh, a pastor from another state uh, recently, and he told me about how his church is uh, growing uh, and how one particular need has grown in an explosive way. And that's the need for kids with some developmental challenges and uh, special needs in the Sunday school area. The pastor told me how there was a woman uh, who had been a long time attender uh, in uh, his church. And uh, she 
had a, a long, long, decades-long career specialty in uh, helping special needs uh, kids and starting uh, programs like this. But she retired two years ago. And numerous people, including the pastor, went to this uh, lady and just asked for help in getting the program started at church. They didn't ask her to lead the thing uh, permanently, just to help them get, the, get it started in the right way. And the pastor described how this woman turned everyone down flat, saying that she had retired and that they needed to find somebody else. And I trust this pastor when uh, he told me that it is his belief that this woman was burying her bag of gold. This pastor could see what this woman was blind to, and that is that her skills were not just her own. That her knowledge base was not just for her and for making a living for herself. They were a resource given to her by the master that she said she followed a resource that the master wanted to use for his work. You know, that's not the only resource that, uh, that we can bury. Here's another resource that the, the master gives me to be used with him in mind, my income. And some of you think that I bring up money because it is the most important resource. Sorry, it's just the opposite. I bring up the use of my money because it is the least important resource God gives me. Did you notice the recurring theme uh, in this uh, story from Jesus? In his story, the master keeps repeating the phrase, because you were faithful with this little thing, now I will put you in charge of great things. See, God calls me to be faithful by giving a portion of my income to his work in the church. And God cares about my faithfulness with my money because my money is the littlest thing that he gives me. So it becomes kind of a test of my readiness for great things. Faithfulness with my money is just a gateway opening to my destiny for greater things of greater impact, like in my relationships. In God's eyes, there is nothing more valuable than my relationships. Each relationship I have is like a bag of precious gold. My role in my kids' lives is gold. And every word, every action in their lives, everything I say to them, you know, has the, the opportunity to either build them up or tear them down in ways that will last their lifetime. My role in my spouse's life is gold. And if my marriage love is deteriorating, say, you know, through neglect or, or through unresolved conflict, then the master gives me my half of the responsibility to actively invest in my marriage. You know, the same goes with kids and their relationship with their parents, brothers and sisters. And then there are those other strategic relationships God puts in my life that are golden opportunities to share the love of Jesus or to show the love of Jesus in ways that impact change lives now, but also sometimes 
They are eternal investments in eternal souls that have eternal rewards. There's also a third responsibility I must accept, which is my responsibility for my spiritual life. No relationship demands more of my intentional investment than my relationship with my Creator, with God. I don't know where you are in your relationship with God. I don't know if you are close in a relationship with God or whether you are distant in a relationship with God. All I know is that wherever you are with God, you're responsible. Every person listening to me now is is about as close to God as they want to be. God's arms are wide open. And so if you are distant from God, there is no one to blame except you. I am responsible for my spiritual life. You are responsible for your spiritual life. BlackRock can't make you grow. All we can do is encourage you to engage in the spiritual growth process. Here at BlackRock, our spiritual growth growth process is worship, community, serving, and ownership where worship is receiving soul encouragement on a weekly basis here in worship, where community is caring and being cared for in a small group of fellow believers, where serving is joining a team dedicated to making a difference in the name of Jesus, where ownership is a devotion to your own personal Bible study and prayer life and development so that you can share what you learn with other people. It is a simple process, but the process will not grow your relationship with God. It is accepting responsibility for nurturing your relationship with God, something that no one else can do for you. The next step in this process of finding my destiny and fulfilling uh, the, the, the destiny and sharing in the, the happiness of the master. The next step is be, beware wasteful attitudes. After commending those two servants who accepted responsibility for uh, what they were given, the master then turns to the third servant and says, you wicked, lazy servant. Now, there's a lot of meaning packed into the ancient word used here for lazy. Uh, But the main idea is that this failing servant was a wasteful waster. The master gave him a bag of gold to be put to work. But this lazy servant took all that investment power wrapped up in that gold and wasted it by pouring the gold into a hole in the ground. You know, from an investment perspective, burying the gold was an absolute waste of time. And this is a central part of Jesus' message through this parable. The master's message is, you are destined for great things, but there's an obstacle. And the biggest obstacle to your destiny is your temptation 
to waste time. Don't waste time. Listen, I'm not against all TV. I even watch shows in color now. And uh, so I'm not against all media. Uh, but studies say, uh, and this is a conservative estimate, that conservatively, those of us here spend an average of over 30 hours a week watching sports, news, and entertainment on our screens. Right now, I'm not making any judgments about the content of uh, the entertainment. Uh, that you watch. I- I'm, not, I'm not saying that the shows you watch are poisoning your soul or polluting your mind. Right now, I'm just asking to think about whether maybe, whether maybe some of your 30 hours a week might be a waste of time. And the reason this is so important to ask, the reason this is so important for you to ask yourself is because of this. Do you know what is the most common rationale that people give for why they cannot pursue greater things in their lives? Do you know why people say that they can't have a meaningful relationship with their family members? Why they, don't, they can't pray? why they can't read the Bible, why they can't be in a community group, why they can't mentor or serve or develop lasting friendships, why they can't get to church on every Sunday. It's because they don't have enough time. And you know why we don't have enough time? Well, maybe it's because we're spending over 30 hours a week watching tablets and phones and screens. Beware wasting precious time because you are destined for something so much greater. And by all means, make time to be here on Sunday. Make time to be in worship. I'll make you a deal. If you make time to come to church on Sunday mornings, then I will make time during the week to prepare long, very long sermons. Because like Mr. Whipple, my motto is, don't squeeze the sermon. The Sherman. All right, uh, so let's go on now to the final point, number uh, C of our destiny, where C is choose faithfulness over fear. Do you notice the lazy servant's reason for wasting his life, the servant's reason was, I was afraid. I was afraid, so I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. He was afraid. And fear led him to dig a hole and bury what the master had given him for greater things. The servant played it safe and lost it all. And today, Jesus is begging you to stop playing it safe in life. Jesus is begging you to take a risk. Take the risk because you can't fulfill your God-given destiny when you are held back by fear. You know, I read an interesting uh, book recently uh, that details the research of studies that uh, demonstrate that 
the regret that people take to their graves is not what you would think. We all think that the regret that people take at the end of life uh, to their grave is things that they did, that they're ashamed of. Not true. Research demonstrates that the thing, the regret that people take to their graves is over what they did not do in life. They regret that they did not spend time with certain loved ones. They regret that they did not say that loving word. They regret that they did not invest in greater things, that they did not take the risk because they were held up and held back by fear. Studies show that at the end of life, people wish that they had taken more risks in life. And this is exactly what Jesus is shouting to you through this parable. Jesus calls you to choose faithfulness over fear. He calls you to take the risk and invest all the gold He gives you with greater things in store. Reach out to that new neighbor. Invite a friend here to church. Mentor a young believer. Stand next to the kid who gets bullied at school. Talk about Jesus with your business contact. Be the good Samaritan who gets involved and makes a lasting impact in someone by just helping and reaching out. Take the risk of faithfulness because it is your destiny in Jesus to do great things. Rocky Valentine pursued selfish desires, but he didn't get happiness. He got trapped in the prison of his own pleasure-seeking. Jesus offers you something infinitely better. As you accept responsibility, beware wasteful attitudes, and choose faithfulness over fear, the Master offers you true happiness. He offers you a share in His perfect, never-ending happiness, which is reserved for faithful followers who become destined to do great things. Let's pray. We want to thank you for watching and listening to our sermons online, and we hope that uh, you will be inspired to live more like Jesus through these. Please check out blackrock.org for more information about our church. Know that you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, and also uh, know that you can give uh, to BlackRock and to our ministry through PushPay, through our mobile app, and on our website. Your uh, donations and your support of our ministry allows us to have uh, these videos online and for us to impact our community.